You've reached producer and cinematographer Johnny Durango. I'm unavailable right now because I'm busy listening to the Oh Brother podcast. Welcome to the Old Brother Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Smith. Alongside me, as always, my brother from the same mother, Mike Smith. Hey, Dan. Happy big holidays. Show. Happy big. holidays to you. It's our biggest show. Now, look, interviewing mom was great and everything, but today we interviewed the big one. Today we interviewed the Nelms Brothers, writers, directors of the current feature film, Fat Man, starring who? Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins, Marianne John Batiste, Chance Hurstfield. It's a great movie. We did a podcast on this film. And where if you watch that podcast back, we're kind of like almost in a state of shock because we had just watched it, but we've watched it several times now. And it's just a great great flick yeah it's a great film and and we got to spend an hour with these guys and man they they've got you can tell they they've got this we may never speak to them again these guys are gonna head off into the stratosphere pretty soon but i i definitely want to lay down a prediction right here within the next 10 years those two are holding up golden statuettes I fully support that Kinda prediction. Like this, right here i fully support that prediction we think you're going to love this episode well we're I put money on it. We covered a lot of ground. We, yeah. you know, we, we get them talking about the sort of foray into filmmaking, their journey into filmmaking. And then, which is a really amazing story. It's a great story. Great. great story. It's not like, you know, it's not like a typical story, right? These guys did it the way you should do it. I'm huge on their future. As am I. I would, so- I would buy stock in the Nelms brothers right now. No, it was, it was a great conversation. We, uh, really grateful that they gave us their time today and look forward to having them back on the show to, you know, talk about all those other projects they're going to have coming out in the new year. So keep an eye on these guys. Go rent Fat Man, buy it. We both have it pre-ordered on Amazon, comes out January 26. Another movie that you might want to pick up is Small Town Crime. You can get that right now for 15 bucks on Amazon. Commentary, deleted scenes, the whole nine yards. Well, without further ado, enjoy this interview with Ian and Esham Nelms, the Nelms Brothers. Merry Christmas to you guys. Ho, ho, ho. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one, I was thinking about this, it's exactly one week before Christmas, and we're given the gift of having the Nelms Brothers on the Old Brother podcast. So welcome, Ian and Eason. We appreciate you guys being here. I'll be honest, we thought maybe we were being catfished. You know, we just weren't quite sure. We, we reached out to Chance. Uh, we left messages for Mel, even the Mondo boys that ghosted us. So what? Really? We were, uh, we're just thrilled that you guys are here, that you showed up. <laughs> I thought it was going to be James. I thought it was going to be James Lafferty for sure, but. Yeah, that would be, yeah, that'd be a good interview too. Oh, Love man. 
when he's, did he he's change, taken off when did he change his name from nelms to lafferty when did that <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've got kind of a you know a lot of long-term collaborators james lafferty's one of them uh our director of photography johnny durango i mean these are all you know what we consider you know third and fourth nelms brothers at this point yeah, yeah. Shaw lang she's she's produced uh everything since lost on purpose for us yeah uh, yeah i mean we've we we, we married her so I did. I did. I married her. I <laughs> smart, smart. Right. In the family. That's a wise man. <laughs> you know, obviously we want to talk about the current film fat man. Cause I, I, I will be honest. I wasn't familiar with your work, but I know now since seeing that film between the two of us, I think we've seen everything, including maybe some high school productions that you guys have done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I can't wait to dig in. You guys, we're still dark. <laughs> yeah, we, we, obviously we want to talk about Fat Man, but we, we wanted to know if you'd indulge us a little bit and sort of take us back because we, we've, you know, obviously from what we've read and researched, know a little bit about kind of some of the beginnings with, you know, Ian with wrestling and the fine arts, Isam and those sort of things. But where did it converge? What's the journey into filmmaking? What's yeah. that story? Well, I think, look, it, it's, it, there came a moment in around 2002, Ian, 2000, yeah, 2001, 2002, where all of the skills that we had been gathering in our lives, un, you know, sort of unknowingly coalesced into a film career. And so our, our father was a professional photographer. And so he had done so for like 20 years and he would drag us along to his productions, make us, like, by the time he and I were like 13 or 14, we'd been to like 300 weddings, you know? <laughs> like and he would just like give us a camera and go, go to the back of the, the, the church and take pictures. You know, we'd load his backs. This is when film, you know, actually shot on film. So we'd be loading his Hasselblad camera backs for him. We would do like tons of work and we would just always, and he, and he did local video productions for like the, I remember he did like an advertisement for like the fire department and like local, like Spanish channel, like car lots and stuff like that. And we would tag along. And, and I remember at one point, like one of the guys, John McRae, like cut us into Predator, which was our favorite movie. So he's like, oh, we could shoot some like little inserts in your backyard and like cut you guys into that movie. And then Ian took that video equipment and like eight years old made a little movie you know it was kind of crazy to to be around this stuff and not have the direction that we were going to go be filmmakers we just it was just there so we were just using it and then that naturally sort of transitioned into a love of film when our mom who's an avid movie maniac uh got the uh, a clint eastwood subscription on vhs and so we would get a new Clint Eastwood classic every other week and we would just devour those things. I mean, we'd watch them until the tape wore out, you know? So I think those sort of factors are sort of like all in a kettle and it's stirring. And then I remember the, the, the moment that it all sort of clicked um, is this, this is after I'd gone to art school and had a very miserable time there. And Ian was in uh, Bakersfield wrestling his way through college, but falling in love with literature and plays and things like that. I remember I watched these two films uh, one night on like an AMC or like a Sundance channel or something. And they were um, The Barfly and The Real Blonde. And they just hit, hit us, right? They hit me. And it was, it was the first time where these were independent productions. And you could kind of see like, oh, well, Ian and I could like, you could, we could like grab our friends and go to a bar and write dialogue, you know? Like you could do stuff like that. And so I called Ian the next morning and I was like, man, I just watched these two movies. And I've kind of had a paradigm shift because we had grown up, you know, being in love with Terminator and Aliens and Predator, which I still love to this day. But they're so big and such monstrous productions that you can't see the craft so much in them. 
And I remember Ian called me and he was like, dude, I just watched two movies last night. Like that, he's, that's when he fired back at me. And unbeknownst to each other, we had watched the same two movies, you know, states apart, hundreds, thousands of miles apart, because I was in Kansas City, he's in California. And we both had this radical shift in our paradigm. And, and from that moment, I honestly, were like, okay, I'm coming back this summer. I'm ditching this art school thing. And we're going to like tackle this movie thing. And that was it. And then we started writing, we started writing scripts that we started writing a script that summer. Cause Esh was working on a comic book while he was at art school and I was writing some plays and, and we were just like, Oh, you know what? Like what? Like, I really liked the idea he had for his comic book. It was like this post-apocalyptic kind of Mad Max thing, you know? And we were like, Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's make that into a screenplay as well. So it's we Mad started Max meets saving private Ryan. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's it's a cool and fun idea, but the script was crap. But we we it was our first script, and we were just writing. We we're just having fun, and we had such a blast writing that script. And then we shot probably half a dozen short films that summer with our parents' crappy little camcorder. And then we were like, you know what? I think we're I think we're ready to go down to L.A. <laughs> we like, wait, you, we a book. Remember the book? The book that said, uh, you know, writing the the way into Hollywood was writing a query letter. So we were like. I can't remember exactly what the book was called, but it I think was, it was called "How to Sell Your Screenplay." How to sell your screenplay, writing the perfect query letter, or something like that. But it was yeah. like thick and all about writing a query letter. And so we we read this book, and then we bought all these books that were like you know this like it showed you where all the producers and production companies and gave you their address. And, and we're about three three and a half hours from from LA, and I remember we we were just like you know what let's let's go down there with our query letter about uh about our script and like and go in there and sell this fucking thing like we're gonna do it and so we 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 write this query letter that's you know two 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 paragraphs and the book was talking about you really got to stand out and you really got to his query letters got to be two paragraphs of gold that just get people excited so we wrote some like ridiculousness in there i mean just <laughs> it was a slap across the face like some offensive language like it wasn't yeah. it, it was rowdy you know and but we were trying to stand out uh <laughs> And so we decided to go down there and the, the day we went down there was like a day or two before Christmas. And of course, everybody's, uh, you know, accepting query letters a day or two before Christmas. <laughs> but what the interesting thing that happened is when we got down there, like the guard was down. There was like no receptionists at all these places. So I remember walking into Gersh because we've been into Gersh and they're actually in the same building they were in uh, when we went down there 20 years ago. And so we go down there and I remember just like walking into Gersh and like, there's no secretary. So we just walk in, we're looking around and we're like, hello, you know, and now you walk in 25 people. The door. You can't get two steps outside the elevator without being accosted by half a dozen people. Who are you? What are you here for? What are you doing here? Well, then like we just walked in and we're just looking around the vacant halls and we started yelling down the office. Like we're like, hello. And then some guy stuck his head out and was like, who are you? What's going on? And we're like, hey! Yes, pushed him. <laughs> we just attacked. And we did that at about 20 we different places. Read oh, this. Exactly, like, man. We, exactly. we did the hard sell for sure. Dude, we hard sold like 20 people. And I mean, we, we talked to one of the producers of, uh, of American Pie. I can't remember his name right now. Chris, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, he was, he was actually there in the office. He was just like, what the hell are you guys doing out on the day before Christmas? <laughs> you know, shilling a query letter. You guys are nuts. Uh, but he talked to us for a second. That was really cool. Uh, but yeah, we were encouraged enough. Nobody like wrote us back and was like, can't wait to read that screenplay. They were more <laughs> like, keep going, guys. You know. But for some reason, we were blind and naive enough to think that that was some kind of encouragement. We were just like, oh, yeah, perfect. Let's move down there. So 
like six months later, we moved down there. And in like June of that year, we were down there in LA, got an apartment off of, uh, you know, they were over off Yucca. And we were just like, <laughs> all right, or Hollywood, sorry, Hollywood and Yucca. We were just like, you know, Carol Burnett's old stomping grounds. We were just like, oh, right. Man, I think, uh, like, okay, we just landed. We, we, we both got jobs. I went to work at Tony Roma's, a place for ribs. Esh went to work at the Arclight Movie Theater because it had just opened. We're like, all right, this is time to make our movie fortunes. <laughs> up. And I, yeah, and then, like, honestly, like, just had no clue. And we were talking about, like, did we go to film school? You know, like, that was, like, the next thing because, you know, well, I'd gone to art school and he had a BS degree. It was, like, a BA degree, ready? Right? Oh, it was BA full of BS. <laughs> I got one of those too. <laughs> so we go to like we go to like USC and we do the tour, and they're like, "If your favorite movie is Star Wars, this is where you belong." And then we go to like UCLA, and they're like, "If your favorite movie is Star Wars, get the fuck out of here," you know. And then we go to like LA Film School, and they're like, four years from now, you'll get to touch a camera." And we were like, we, you know, like, this isn't going to work. So, no. you know, it just happens that I got rear-ended in a car accident, like, a month later. And rather than repairing my beloved 1984 Volkswagen, Vanagon, I took some... Still drives to this day. <laughs> and we, we bought the DVX100 camera, which had just come out. And it was like a prosumer video camera for, like, what, 4500 bucks, something like that. Yep. It we just come out. It just yeah. came out. They'd shot, like, Panasonic had done, like, commissioned, like, two short films from some, some, you know, from some established filmmakers. And we were like, wow, that looks like 16 millimeter, you know? And so we just started shooting everything we could with that. And we are like, this is the, the tool that's going to liberate us. Like, we can just <laughs> go out and make stuff. We don't need, all, you know, anybody else. And so that's what we started doing. We just started writing and making stuff. I remember we went out and wrote a, Ian, Ian wrote a script and we went out and shot that thing in seven days in the woods. Uh, and then because I, I wrote the script, I remember we we'd written like three big scripts. Fat Man was one of them at that point we 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 had gotten people to read it and they were just like this is fucking nuts like who are you guys (laughs) and then then, and that was 15 years ago 14 years ago uh people were reading it and being like you guys are fucking nuts i mean this is crazy this is a crazy script we had a couple of those crazy scripts um and then uh we 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 got the idea of like well I, i think the problem is that people just aren't they just aren't seeing, uh, you know, our, our movies made like, let's, let's write something to make it. And then they'll see the genius, you know? <laughs> right. Well, when we, when we watched fat, when we did our episode reviewing fat man, that's exactly how I opened it was. I said to Mike, ho, ho, holy shit. Cause I <laughs> never seen anything like it. And before. we both said, this is unique. This is something we haven't seen before, which really hit us. And then I did like, I had to see everything you made. And I basically got my hands on four films, you know, Lost on Purpose, uh, Waffle uh, Street, and Small Town Crime, which was great. And um, But before that, I think you guys missed the big tag was with with Squirrel Trap. Because Ian... What he wrote. Was that the the first one? Yeah, exactly what we were talking about. Like we came out of uh, this is a good, this is a pretty good story. So like we come out of, we we come we come out and we're like, all right, well we just got to make something. So I remember I burned the midnight oil for like I mean you know when when you're working at a restaurant and movie theater and you start at like four o'clock, you know you're working till like four a.m. five a.m. and then we're sleeping till like one o'clock and then we're going to work at four, you know. And like yeah, we were like vampires. We were living a vampire life. You know, it's kind of sweet because I mean, you know, everything goes away at about nine or ten o'clock, and you just 
focus. You know what I mean? And we were, we were grind, we're grinders. Like we grew up, our parents are grinders. So like we, we, we know how to work. So we have a good work ethic. So we would just work our asses off for years, years and years. But at this point it was, we'd been in town like a year and a half and we were just like, you know, I think the problem is people just don't see our stuff. So let's write something. So I wrote this script and I give it to Ash. I'm like, all right, read this thing. You know, I probably wrote it in like three or four weeks. I'm like, read it. Let me know what you think. He reads it and he goes, I think we can make a movie out of this. <laughs> so now, do you, do you basically write the first pass and then you go over it or? I mean, know. it's a little different. I mean, and that one was different because I was just a maniac and I was just like, fuck it. I'm writing something we can make and shoot tomorrow. Right. And it, it happens though. Like, like, like where we'll brainstorm an idea. Typically it's usually me that runs off and gets in a hurry to put something on paper and then, but it's all, Esh and I will come up with these ideas, we'll throw them back and forth, and then by the time I'm writing it, I can't even remember who came up with what. I put it down on the paper, I come back like the next night or two, and I give it to him, or I email it to him, he reads it and goes, okay, let me, I'll give it back to you in like a, a day or two. And then he does his thing, and he passes it back to me, and then I pass it back to him, and then pretty soon we got 15 to 20 pages we really like, and we got a starting point, and we both just kind of start diving in on scenes at that point, and we feel like, you know, we've got our foot on the ground, like we, we understand what we're writing, and and from there, we just kind of pass it back and forth until we're both happy. Sometimes we're sitting right next to each other, you know, laughing at each other, throwing shit at each other, a brainstorm, and it's fun. Like, we have a good time when we're writing. Um, and then when we finish it, you know, you, you you hope to make it. So if you head out to direct it, it's a lot similar between us. Ash is a storyboard, a professional storyboard artist, um, and he'll storyboard every frame of the damn thing. I mean, it's like if the people, you know, are two people sitting across from each other at a diner the entire time at a table, he'll, he'll storyboard every frame of that you know what i mean even if it's just a slight camera movement or whatever like like he's got everything 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 we every move we have is literally down so that when we get on set we have that blueprint down all, all the time it happens where it's like oh that table we were going to shoot at is now ripped out of the wall and it's not there anymore so it's like okay well i guess we'll flip-flop that to the other side or you know what why don't we have walking in this time it's just a blueprint to get us in the door get us started Um, and and stuff changes all the time, but pretty much, you know, we've, we've got our blueprint of what we're going to do. And if anything we haven't talked about, uh, we'll, we'll quickly sidebar, you know, for about 30 seconds or 20 seconds. Now, Michael, were you able to find Squirrel Trap? I didn't find it. And I'll tell you why I wanted to find it because of Ian's, uh, Ian's role in it, which was asshole. (laughs) <laughs> I, I gotta see this. How do you play an asshole? I wanna. I gotta learn this. Oh come on! You know how to play an asshole. <laughs> well, I, I know in real life, but <laughs> just puckered up my lips real tight. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the first one I saw was Lost. Well, actually, I watched Waffle Street first, and then went to Lost on Purpose. And- I can't tell you how paranoid he was he said I, i'm gonna say waffle house i'm gonna say waffle house yeah. hey, that's what i kept thinking you wouldn't be the first you wouldn't be the first but lost on purpose was kind of like a group of guys at a period in time you know that's the way i think of it it was like this group of guys came together had this experience at this time you know you can't go back like one of them wanted to go back but the thing i found interesting was there was a relationship between the two brothers randall and James Lafferty's character, which I forget Rooker. his name. Rooker. Yeah. And I was wondering how much of that is you guys. It's like, like 99% was, us. What, that's <laughs> what I, because he's, uh, James does a great narrative over a lot of it. And he says something about being a wrestler. And I'm like, I'm wondering if this is the brothers here. 
It's got to be. There's, there's certainly like, look, we, uh, you know, we cut the veins and put some of us in that, in those characters, you know, we take, we take a lot of the world around us and try to infuse it into our, our films in every way. Well, especially Lost on Purpose. Yeah. We, we bled all over that one. That like the woman running that dairy farm is kind of like our mom. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, Jane, Jane Krasinski played that part. Kazmarek. 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 Yeah. We also like, we shot in our hometown. So, so when you're seeing like some of those locations, like some of those locations are our parents' houses. Some of those locations are like all around this, where we grew up. So we went to our hometown and we wanted to make a love letter to our hometown, which is very much like our American graffiti or last picture show. Yeah, that scene where right. that scene where Dale Dickey is like watering the dogs, and they're like out there, and they're like, "Oh my God, why do you have so many dogs, Mom?" Or whatever. That's literally at my parents' house. That's where we grew up. Wow. <laughs> so, how do you go from that to small town crime, which I'm hoping isn't based on you guys? <laughs> it's it's little, right? Like we, were, so we live about like our parents live about three and a half hours from LA, and we'll just say like how the seed of, of small town crime jumped into our heads. We're driving through Bakersfield late one night because Ian and I would do the drive frequently. And this is when, you know, when we were living together in Los Angeles and doing the grind. And I remember we're just, we're motoring home for a holiday or something. And we're driving through all these uh, pump jacks. The the pump jacks are going and we were were looking around like, God, this is pretty cool. Like visually. And what if some like fall down drunk, like woke up out here and like found a body, you know, and those are the kind of like crazy things you're musing about at three in the morning as you're trying to keep each other awake as you're driving several hundred miles back and forth. And we just got excited about that idea. And, and that was where the impetus left off. And then we just built it out from there. That, that, and it really got a lot of buzz at South by Southwest. Cause it was like one of the five movies you got to see. And a lot of, you know, we start seeing a lot of the same cast members, Dale Dickey, you mentioned, she played a bartender in that. Yeah. And it's really good. I mean, and I'm wondering, because Fat Man was written way before that. Sure. So you make that, gets a lot of buzz. Is that what gets you, Fat Man, finally Absolutely. says, hey, we're going to take this serious. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I mean, when we were running around with this thing for 14 years, running around with Fat Man for 14 years, you know, we get a lot of we get a lot of meetings off of it because it was such a fun and crazy script. But the question people had when we got in there was just like, okay, well, what does this look like? What is this like? What's the tone? Because it's fucking crazy. Like, what is this? <laughs> we're like, oh, it's can't you read it on the page? That's what we would say when we first when it first came to town. But you realize later on that oh, I got to give them examples. So you start comping all these films and you you start naming five of your favorite films that kind of feel like it. Unbreakable. It's like Unforgiven. It's like a Leone Western. It's like. Yeah, and you're like all of a sudden you're like fucking five movies in and you're and people are trying to wrap their brains around it and they're just swirling and they're like i don't know what the fuck that is you know so you have to make something especially when it's that kind of specific when you when you make you have to make something that kind of points back to it and we'd finally gotten the opportunity to make one of our crime fillers um which we've uh, been writing the whole time we've been writing we were very passionate about but but um we we had a really hard time getting off the ground because they cost money because you've got all right. these crazy fun gags in them and you can't just go out and do those in your mom's backyard they they'll just kind of come out like shit unless you can write one that kind of functions in your mom's backyard but but yeah we were able to point back and say that's the tone right there it's got western undertones it's a dark comedy it's also a thriller it's also got action it's also drama. Got, it's got drama you know yep. it's a character piece like all those things were, were, were melded together in small town crime. And we were able to just literally just point at it and say, read the script uh, after we did small town crime. And they were like, okay, I understand this. I get it. Okay, great. 
Yeah, we hit. Oh, we were, we kept saying to each other, we're like, how do we, we did the, um, the podcast and we did it. We, we usually wait a week, but we did it right after watching it. And my jaw, I was still stunned. I was like, what did I just see? And then we start going back and I'm like, you know, th- that great scene at the end with Mel and Walton, that's high noon, you yeah. know, like we're like, that's high noon. Well, the and, funny thing is, is like, right, you, you make these films and I mean, you make these movies and you write these things and you've ingested, Lord, how many, knows how many movies we've all ingested and you have these ones that you love sort of subconsciously inside of you. Yeah. And so when these moments come up, because I remember that didn't even hit me that it was high noon until Mel literally said on set, well, it's kind of like high noon and we're all... <laughs> No shit. Wow. Fuck, he's right. It's kind of high noonish. Holy shit. That's awesome. Now, did he come with, I I was a little detail, but did he come to the set with that slight accent that he's got? as? Yes. Well, when we sat down and talked to him, it was great. We sat down, like, this is a fun story too. Like we, we, we'd given him his agent, the script, our agent had given his agent the script and said, Hey, like the guys really want Mel for this. Um, and, I get this email back two weeks later because you go out to actors all the time for stuff and you're really excited and then two weeks go by and they're like, sorry, you know, or you just never hear back and you're like, fuck, we're moving on. Who are we going to get? Shit, I really wanted that person. Well, Mel wrote us, wrote us two weeks later and was like, and I didn't know it was Mel. I just got this random email amongst all these other emails that were coming in from producers that were like, hey, we'd like to sit down with you about this. Uh, we like the script. So I, I get this email that says, hey, uh, you know, I, I like the script. I thought it was really funny. Let's sit down for a chin wag. And I'm like, what's a chin wag? <laughs> what's a chin wag? Like, what? Okay. And then, and then uh, I, I write him back. I'm like, oh, awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm thinking, what producer or financier is this that we'll be talking to to pitch or whatever? Like, great. Uh, you know, who am I talking with? And then he writes back. He's like, oh, sorry. I forget to sign off sometimes. This is Mel. And I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> and I are like, what? <laughs> like, we're so excited. That he, that, and I remember literally after that email, Esh and I are like hugging and we're like, you know what? Like, who gives a shit if he even fucking does it at this point? The guy liked the script. He understands it. He thought it was funny. This is awesome. You know, we were just so pumped to have him respond to it because we were so excited to get him. Um, and so they're like, all right, you get 45 minutes with him in this cafe in Malibu and he's going to sit down and talk with you and basically see if you're nuts or not. <laughs> so. <laughs> We got That's kind of how we reacted when you guys agreed to come on here. <laughs> well, look, I think I think for a long time, like when we were getting these meetings, like with the script, people just wanted to see the maniacs that would walk through the door. You know that who would crack this bizarre tale? They gotta, you know, they gotta have three eyes or something like that. But there is, like, you know, the opening shot. I was asking Dan. I said, "Do you remember the opening shot?" And and he was like, "Ah." Uh, I said, "Think of white. You see a white screen." which is, you know, how Fat Man opens. And then all of a sudden you see the, the snow brushing away. Yeah. That's a great opening shot. And then we've got that, there's like a Christmas song, but it's got an evil tone to it. And I don't, I forget the name of the song, but what a great, and then we go into chants. The first one, the first one is Amando Boy's original. And it, the guys who did the score. Mike and Mike, uh, and, and that was what they submitted to us uh, as a tape to get the job. And it oh, was, was them. great. They, they had watched our, they had watched our rough, and you know we had a bunch of comps in there in some places, and we were like, hey, you know, like 
we really don't feel like we have, there were like three or four places that we didn't have comps that we even liked. And that was one of them. We were just like, Hey, if you could put something on the front of this for us, just as kind of like, Hey, like here's our audition, you know, here's, here's, here's something, here's the vein we think this should be played. Um, and they sent us that track and it literally is 99% of what it was when they sent us it. And they did it in like three or four days and sent wow. it to us. And we were like, Holy shit, these guys get it. Like this nailed it. This is great. So um, when you, yeah, when it, you, when you were meeting with Mel, that meeting you were talking about, did, did the conversation about that accent come up with the, because sort of not the accent ex- exactly, but um, like uh, he, 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 during the meeting, he started saying, "Like I see this guy as an old cowboy," and we were like, "Oh, awesome!" And he and, he, and I think he know he like kind of it was inspired by a, a horse trainer or something that yeah. he knew. Yeah, he was referencing a horse trainer that had that kind of voice and and had some of these these you know, just some yeah. of the gestures and the way that he yeah. carries himself. He would he had something in mind uh, that was layered up behind you know himself that was great. Yeah, it was. Oh. It, we thought it was really cool. We're like, yes, because I mean, Esh and I. We grew up in the Central Valley. We're around our parents have a horse ranch, and that's what we grew up on. And uh, and he he embodies a lot of the folks that we that we uh, swirled around in our in our teenage years. Like that's a lot of my parents' friends. You know, I said <laughs> to Mike when we you know that where he says uh, Jonathan Miller, you twisted yeah. child. Like it's so. There's something about that. I just like oh, every time I hear that now, it's it's, it's, mad- uh, it's, it's interesting because it's very matter of fact and direct. Right. right, but there's also a little, a little something, a little curve on the language, on yeah. the dialect. He really captured it. He really understood. Like I don't know, you know, it, he really understood. And then he was also able to bring out the emotions behind. Yeah, yeah, what exactly. Was, what he's calling that guy out. You see a flood of emotions. You see that download happening in inside his brain. And, and with and with Walton too, who uh, he's just phenomenal. What a chameleon this guy is, but. If you could settle this for Mike and I, we're just sort of wondering when they're having that dialogue and he's he's talking about, you know, Mel says there's limits to what I can do. And Walton, you know, sort of talking about his parents. Is it that, you know, his parents were both abusive or there was some obviously I mean, I took it that his father abused him, at least with the cigarette burns in the arm. And and Mel's like, I couldn't replace your parents. What exactly was going on there with Walton's character? Well, for, for us, for us, the, what it means, because I've had another, another friend of ours said, well, it kind of could, it, it meant this to me, interesting, cause it, and it worked both ways. Really. Yeah, because look, it's like you, either his parents passed away. Right. Right? Bingo! And he had really shitty, like, he had a really shitty time in the adoption process and got some bad seeds throughout the, you know, the foster care. That's what I'm going uh, with. Or what we meant, though, what we meant, which totally works, but what we meant by it was that his parents were incredibly abusive and shitty and he had a really rough, you know, uh, adolescence and, uh, you know, grew up to be very hateful. Um, and, and that's pretty much what, what, but at one point he asked Santa for new parents. He said, Hey, I'd love to get some new parents. Like I don't like my parents. And I had this whole subplot in my head that his dad was a, a sheriff and that was was the car, and he awesome. wanted he wanted Mel to bring back his his dad who got killed. I mean, that's my great. brain went somewhere else. Well, that's no, a good that's thing. Crazy. Yeah, Look, that's we a good dropped, thing about yeah, art. When we're writing, like when we're writing, we're constantly thinking about we're constantly trying to think about what the audience is going to perceive or build 
on a line, on a word. You know, when, when Mel says, you think you're the first, like, right. we throw that in there because it adds, it, you, you, you get your an brain just, of five different movies. <laughs> you're like, holy shit. Yeah, like your brain just goes running off on vacation for, for a half a second, you know, and yeah. it comes back with all this baggage. And we're like, yes, because even I hate overly, over exposition in movies. Like it just, again, the brilliance I think of fat man is the fact that you, you don't insult the audience. You let us fill in a lot of details. Like an example would be, we see, you know, Mel with Marianne, he's getting ready to go out. It's Christmas Eve. And she's like going over the list and she's like, you want to do this? He's like, just give me the list. And he walks out, she grabs the booze, gives him hot chocolate. And then there was a great cut there. We don't have to see him put on the suit. We don't have to see him go down a chimney. We don't have to see him flying. We get to fill all that in for ourselves. We know he's capable of all that stuff. But all of a sudden, he comes back, and it's the next day. So it took me a minute to get grounded and say, okay, wait, what's going on? It looked like he was sneaking something under the bed. But I love that there's so much we don't see. That, you know, that we know, we know, everybody knows who Santa Claus is, right. how he dresses, what he looks like. We don't need all of that. And I think that would have been insulting almost if you did do that stuff. That's well, it, was twofold. Really- it was, it was twofold for us. And you're absolutely right. Like we didn't want to show it because we'd seen it a thousand times. Right. Like, I don't want to see this again. Like this isn't going to add to the reality that we're trying to create. I don't want to see him with rocket boosters and five flying reindeer go across the moon. And then he he goes through a wormhole or some shit. It's like, Oh, we've seen that. We understand. And we have all that baggage already built in. You've watched a hundred iterations of Santa where, you know, he goes and delivers presents to people. You know, he, you know, is very giving, you know, he delivers coal, you know, so we had all the, and you know, he has elves, you know, he has reindeer. So we knew you had those. And now it's like up to us to how do we subvert those expectations for you? And how do we ground it and really try to ground this stuff to where it would actually be a reality. And it was like, like, how do we do that in a way that's fun and uh, interesting and not like pounding you on the head and yeah. you want to see all those moments in between instead of the schmaltzy. Like how do we, we can't out schmaltzy Christmas Chronicles. Like that's just not, when I mean, there's no reason for us to do that. That's not our movie. Like how do we, how do we give you all those in between moments that you don't see in Christmas Chronicles? You, you know, know what yeah. was, that was perfect. What perfect. was beautiful is the, uh, the scene where Marianne, who was unbelievable too. What, what a, what a, coupling that was with those two when she leaves the folders for him out in the barn and that was that really hit resonated with me when i first saw it. i love you know, that who's who's where did that come from well that's what? part of the process like i don't even know if esham and i remember who wrote it but i mean what it came from was just us brainstorming over what do why would he actually be why would he have taken this job in the first place and what would this actually mean to people like what there's got to be some kind of meaning to him like a higher meaning to his gift giving right like it's Mm -hmm. it's too it's too banal it's too pedestrian to just like be throwing toys to everyone indiscriminately so we were like no this has to have influence on your life because otherwise he's just like some dude running around like trying to buy people into being good whereas the other way he's like oh, I'm trying to encourage them into some kind of vocation or I'm trying to encourage them into their passion or, oh, I see little Billy 
you know, likes to cook or whatever. So I'm going to give him an oven and, and he's going to learn to, he's going to, you know, be able to, to, to do the things that he loves with this and make him a better person and be able to, he'll be a chef later or whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it says about me, but I said to Mike and we had a debate about this. I said, I almost wanted it to end after Santa got plugged. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, see, I, I needed and to I see still him stand back. by that a little bit. You're like, you're like, you know what? It's fucking over. <laughs> yeah, and I did. And I said, I said, okay, before we get on with you guys, I said, okay, I'll give you a little uh, room there. And I'll say when, when, when Ruth wastes the skinny man, okay, then you can end it. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I need to go back into therapy. Interesting. Did it, did it, I mean, did you get anything out of him going back and sort of uh, scaring I, Billy straight? I did. I did. I did because well, as we talked about, sort of, you know, this the spirit of Christmas and the fact that it lives in all of us, and you know, killing, ending it there would have been ending that whole idea, I, I, I guess. So I totally saw that. I think I just, it was so there was something about it ending at that point that I could have walked away. And I need it. Too. I would have been pissed <laughs> off. I would have been like, oh come on, what happened to him? Did, was he able to heal himself? I mean, he took one right in the head. Like, sure. Yeah. How do you come back? But and then when he's talking to Billy, I'm like, this is unforgiven. This is unforgiving. When when uh, Clint's on the horse and he and he yells at the town, you don't do this again, or I'm going to come back here and I'm going to kill all you sons of bitches. Yeah. That's what I felt like Mel was saying to Billy. You know, you're going to be good, or I'm going to come back and I'm going to you know take care I'm of this with you. <laughs> yeah. Now, does it set up for a Fat Man sequel, perhaps? Oh, certainly. No, we're, we would be excited to dive in again and expand. What, what about the fact that, you know, it's such a bummer because you guys wrapped in February, right before... I think we wrapped right in the middle of March. Oh, we so watched, right we, before... We wrapped, we wrapped one day before Canada shut down all of their productions. Oh. And they were telling us for our last week, we're going to shut you down. We're going to shut everything down. We're going to shut everything down. They just kept letting it go. And finally, we they were, just, they were monitoring the cases. And fortunately, Ontario, nothing. Yeah, nobody. No cases. So they were, in sure. Ottawa, there was zero. So I think. Uh, I think oh, you're right. Ontario had a few. I think Toronto, Toronto had a few. But yeah. like, luckily, they were four hours away. And they were kind of, that's what was really going like, hey, we're going to, have to shut this down. And when we shut this down, we're shutting down the whole province. Toronto's like, oh, we don't know. They were kind of shaky. And then all of a sudden, and Ottawa had nobody, which was great. Uh, so we, we just kept shooting and they just kept letting us shoot. And then finally we wrapped and we're like, whoo, I thought we were going to, thought we were going to lose that. Like, thank God. Cause we wouldn't have been able to get back up. We didn't have the budget. We wouldn't be able to get yeah. back up shooting. Yeah. Well, get, whatever they shut us down without, we would have had to do without because yeah. there, there was right. no back up for us. Uh, the resources were, were rapidly depleted. But then you, you know, you get it done and the theaters are basically gone. You know, you don't really get that release, which got to be, I mean, this is going to be a movie we're going to see year after year. I'm convinced of that. Awesome. But, you know, you don't get that. You didn't get that kind of gift of, hey, here's our opening weekend because the movie theaters were all basically shut down. Yeah, I mean, so we didn't that- get to have a premiere. Like, we didn't get to have a premiere. We didn't get to see anybody anywhere. The movie just yeah. went out and we were just like, all right, we're just like texting each other. Hey, it's out. It's going out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, think, I think for us though, we're, we're blessed in that we were able to give this movie to the audiences this year. Right. Yeah. There was no holding it for next year. That wasn't an option. 
while Ian and I are huge advocates of the theatrical communal experience of movie going, we're, we're also of the age of, of the streamers. Like, right. you know, we're of that age. We all consume a lot of stuff over stream. And, and, and for, you know, in our number one priorities, we want people to be safe. Right. And we want people to have something fun to watch this holiday season. So for us that we get to come out, we get to give people something fun, hopefully engaging to watch. Like that's, that's all you could ask for. Yeah. I and will say, and I, I will say this movie would have been really interesting to watch in a theatrical environment with like a full house because just there's so much nuance to it at times that it's fun to it's I remember with small town crime which is a similar it was a similar type of script you would see a kind of ripple effect in a movie theater where mm-hmm. Half of people would laugh over here, and then it would all of a sudden people are like, "Oh shit, that's a joke!" Boom, 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 and <laughs> right. wave across yeah. the theater. And then over here, another patch would laugh at something else, and then it would wave back across the theater. It was so f- interesting to watch. And, uh, and you hit shock moments. Yeah, that just come out of nowhere. Yeah, and you, uh, I would have loved to seen how that kind of reaction was. Like, oh my god. There's, there's also something in the grade, right? So if you grade the movie for your your consumer devices like your televisions and your ipads and all that stuff and then the movie is graded for the theatrical experience there's more nuance in the darks and the blacks so you can actually see into those a little bit better and things emerge like the movie's visually different taken taken in a theatrical experience it's more immersive um but look i mean that's you know it's just interesting like when you see him put the 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 pistol under the bed right were you able to see that and did you, how did you guys watch the movie in the theater at home I, we, I, we both watched it at home. Yeah. yeah. Were you able to tell what he put under the bed? I wasn't, you know, I've seen it five times, to be honest. I hate to <laughs> admit that. But ultimately, yeah, I did get it. Yeah. But at the first time, I didn't. I wasn't sure what it was. I thought he was hiding something from Ruth. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure what it was. But when you're seeing that on a 30-foot screen, and uh, that it's very evident what he's putting under the bed right so it's it's interesting right so it's like you 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 can see that and now you have that but it works either way because the one thing we we did get to do is at least we got to see it in the theater while we were color timing it we got to see it in the theater while we were doing the sound so i mean at least we got to see it on a big screen we and you know we would chuckle back and forth with the technicians we were working with um i guess they're more than technicians honestly the artist technicians (laughs) yeah but but, yeah where is the uh is it a Nova? Where is the car in small town crime right now? Wow. I got to know. There's actually a couple that owns it and they yeah. hit us up on yeah. Facebook and we're like, I think we have your car. And I was like, yep, that's it. <laughs> you seem, there seems to be a little bit of a theme. There's some sweet rides in some of these. Well, the Volkswagen, was that your Volkswagen and was it lost on purpose, right? The van, yeah, that's, Randall. That's my Vanagon that I've had since I was 16 years old. My <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured. My parents bought that thing brand new in 84. And I remember when our dad, and this is this will kind of give it, this will kind of be a through thread for all the movies. So my dad drove, drove it for about seven, eight years, blew up the engine. So it sat in the front yard for like three years. And then I became of age to drive. And I was like, okay, I got a, I want a car, right? And he's like, okay, I got like 2,500 bucks. I've been like slaving away in the photography studio for, for like five years, right? And I'm like, all right, let me go get a car. And he's like, well, you can have the van, the van if you can fix it, if you can get it fixed. I'm like, Forget that. I want a Nova. You know, like, I'm like, I want something like, no, kick ass, you know? And he was like, I went and looked at Nova's and yeah, I could get a piece of junk for, you know, 2,500 bucks that barely ran, or I can go get the motor and the van fixed for 2,500 bucks. So I'm like, okay, I'll get the van fixed. And honestly, like, I've been driving that car ever since. 
for, you know, since I was 16 years old. And you know, I'm 42 now. So well, when I watched funny. Small Town, when I watched it, as soon as I saw that, my first car was a 74 Chevy Nova. Oh, that's awesome. And our, our father was a mechanic. He was a little out of the business at that point, but mine just stayed prime color and I put some air shocks and it never really got it. You know, the car in small town crime is a car I wanted. I just never got to that point. <laughs> Dude, that, so that car was inspired by a friend of ours, Brian Gaines, who had a, a car in high school. He had a Nova, the 350 and that. I remember going to lunch with him. We'd be like, let's go to lunch. And he'd hammer on that thing and he'd just sling his back in the seats like we had never felt speed like that. And so that, it just burned into our brains. And so when we got the car for school, we rode into small town crime, that car was written in there from the beginning. We were just like, oh, this is a savage muscle car beast. And so then we get to Utah and we got to find one, right? Like we don't have, we have a very small budget. Uh, and so we can't build a car like that, right? We don't have Fast and the Furious money. So we're out there like trying to find this car. We're searching high and low. Well, you need two of them. You can't just have one, especially right. when you have an older car, like that's going to break down, you know, get right. stuff. So. I remember we found this thing and Ian and I are on, you know, Facebook or whatever, the, the one ads for like a couple, like a week. And we find these two cars that we can make, that we can put together. And so, and then we have Brian, my buddy from high school, fly out to Utah and assist on the movie and be like a car wrangler. But we wow. got that car and the dude had put like a 427 big block in it. Wow. And it was geared so low. And I remember Ian and I drove it back from Perth. Like we went to see the car and the guy's like, hey, jump in it. Because we wanted something that really performed. Like it was like, we can't cheat this. Like it has to be slinging gravel and doing all the wheel burns and all that. Like we're not going to cheat this. Just like we don't cheat the guns. Like all real muzzle flashes. Like we don't cheat that. And so we get there and we, we get in the car. The guy just hammers this thing. And it, honestly, no, not to disparage Brian's Nova back in the day, but this thing was like going at warp speed. And we're like, no, okay, we have to have it. We purchased it right he built from the it for right? quarter track. He built it for quarter track racing. Yeah. So it really was wow. torqued. Like, I mean, but it has boom. no brakes, no power steering. It's like meant to go straight real fast, and no one worries about stopping or turning. That's a hot car for sure. Dude, I've been driving this thing back, and the guy's like, how And we're like a couple hundred miles away from our production tank, our production <laughs> office. So we're driving this thing back in the freeway. It's geared so low that you can only go 55 miles an hour, but you can get there real fast. And so we're like, down the freeway, and we've never gotten more thumbs up or like, yeah. Like, <laughs> we're driving that thing back to the production office. That's and we so take badass. It, it's dude, badass. We take it out. like on, like on We got power steering put on it. We got brakes and everything gussied up on it. And we take it out, you know, and and, and, and test it uh, during the evenings while production. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, was it Mike? Is it Mike? Mike Kendall, yeah. Yeah, he's what he had fun. It no, seems John. like pulling out. Was it John? Okay. John Hawks, that's what it is. Right, right, right. He was great in that too. And you know and, what's uh, interesting? When we were talking to John, he's like, I'm not a car guy, but when <laughs> I get behind the wheel of this car, I'm a car guy. And like he feel it. He did every, like he did like ninety nine percent of that stuff himself. Hmm. Wow. It was, like the whole like circle gravel slinging one and then off the, down the road. Like he did that in wow. one take. That's awesome. That's great. That's awesome. So with the time we got left, what can we talk about? Like what what's in the works now? What do you guys got coming up? Now we that got, you got two new lifelong fans here too. We heard <laughs> capture. 
Is that is that so, one? well? A couple of things happened that were interesting when we went off to shoot Fat Man. A couple of projects that we were we, we loved um, ended up wanting to go at the same time, and Capture was one of them. And they were like, "Hey, we like we want to go make this, and you guys are going to go spend basically a year on Fat Man because that's just what it takes." Yeah, uh, to pre-production production, and then we we edit. Esh and I edit it, so it's like we're doing all the post, which takes six months. So. Yeah, you're, we were locked in. We're like, yeah, we're not going to be back for a year. They're like, ah, like you mind if we go, you know, get another filmmaker to do it? And we're like, yeah, I, I understand. Like they've got investors and they've got money put into the script, and it, right, and right, they can't let that sit around for a year, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we were like, we totally understand. Um, and that actually went. Uh, they they sold. They didn't it. end up using our material for it at all. And they so. went, and they they sold it to Quibi. And that was broken up into like, you know, 12, 10 minute episodes. Um, and they, yeah, they took the, they took the old script and gave it to, I can't remember what the, it was a guy who did like Breaking Bad or something. It was a guy, it was a TV guy and he turned hmm. it into like 12, 10 minute scripts and kind of did his own rewrite on it. And then they shot I'm interested it. to see it. Um, but like I said, it's none of our material in there, but I like Blake. Yeah star of it and you know the fugitive is cool so i would be interested to starring in it yeah i'm curious to see what they ended up doing with it and they rebranded it as uh the fugitive the series oh, okay series the fugitive so they're just streaming it basically yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it was a great script then, it was a really cool script it had it was a it was a really interesting script it was awesome it was a lot and of then you um you were working with carol burnett right Yes, yeah. and we've turned in our draft to that, uh, which was amazing. Like, and really to celebrate um, Carol's daughter Carrie was, right. such, was such an honor to do, and she's such a you know has such a wonder had such a wonderful life and a person that needs to be remembered and celebrated. Um, but she, you know, they have that project now uh, going with a new filmmaker over at Apple, I believe, is where they're going to land. Yeah, they moved it. Yeah, I heard that. I read that. And that same thing happened, right? I mean, we got we go out to make it. And they're like, hey, you know, we don't really want to wait an entire year to make this thing. And we're like, we get it. We totally understand. And so, uh, you know, they went out and got another filmmaker. But in the in the process of COVID kicking in, mm-hmm. like the whole focus has a really had a really rough time. You know, uh, their production their production space had a really rough time. I think they let quite a few people go. So yeah internally kind of had to gut themselves and so they put the script and turn around which then they went to apple and just set it up over there so i mm. i have nothing but love for that project uh and carol and steven and and tina who are doing it uh they were they were great to us and i'm excited to see what they what where they end up with it because it's a beautiful project it's really beautiful yeah. it's great but i so, think as far as like stuff we're looking to get into yeah i think we want to you know we're looking to sort of bring our tone and genre into something that's a little a little different in genre. So I think we're like we're we're looking at some Western ideas. We're looking at some sci-fi, some horror things like that. Um, that's we've great. Also another, we've also got another script that we wrote that we really love that was adapted from a book, um, and we wrote it a couple of years ago. And like we've just been making movies, kind of I wouldn't say back to back, but we've been really busy. Whether we're writing on a script like that, Carol Burnett project came out of nowhere and just struck us, and we're just oh my god, we got to do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and same with Capture, we really dug that. Uh, so we had done a rewrite on it and we were about ready to go march off and make that. And then fat man goes and we we're just like, okay, shit, we got to do fat man. Like it's, yeah. it's yeah. how many times in your life is your, the project you've been trying to get going for 14 years. You got to yeah. and, and, do it. Yeah. It's not a, you know, fat man's not an easy pitch. So if we yeah. had the opportunity to go, we got to go. 
Well, yeah. that, w- am I right? In, did I read somewhere, given how long you guys were working on that, was Jack Nicholson originally someone you were thinking of for that character? For or? Our, Man. our original cast was Jack Nicholson and Johnny Depp. Now, we didn't get <laughs> we, them at right. We never had that happen. But we that had in our heads. In yeah. your heads. Yeah. Oh, you're right. But, but here you are, you're working with a guy who's won an Academy Award for yeah. directing and Best Picture. And you're having him crawl around in like sub-zero snow <laughs> and Walton, who's done everything. I mean, what's that like, you know, directing somebody like Mel? I first like to say, like, look, these, the pictures come together the way they're meant to come together. And, yeah. and in the time that they're meant to come together, like each one has its own personal velocity. And you, you, it doesn't mean you don't work hard to get them going constantly, but they tend to come together how they're meant to come together. Yeah. And like it, we, when we had Nicholson and Johnny Depp in mind, and I mean, at that time, 14, 15 years ago, that would have been a fantastic movie as well, I think. But having it be 14 years later and having Mel and Walton in those roles and Marianne in that role, because that would have been a very different cast casting decision as well. Everyone just hit the right, you know, not only was at the right age to do it, like, but it just, they all hit the right, uh, the right tone for us. And like, I remember when we, sat down with Mel and he was talking about that scene with the elves where he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm standing on the balcony. I'm looking at these elves. And I'm like, he's like, I feel like I'm going to, I should be like, I'm going to cry. Like it's, yeah. not, it's that horrible that I'm going to tell him this. And we're like, yes, yes, exactly. He's all, that's what'll be so funny about it. And we're like, exactly. Like he immediately got the layers. You right. know, he immediately got what we were after. And we're like, yes, yes, that's the movie. That's perfect. When um, I saw him approaching that, that was in like a Nestle factory, right? A chocolate yeah, factory. How, exactly. how ironic is that? But I'm thinking he's going to give like a speech like um, Alec Baldwin did in in, in, in <laughs> Glen Gary. Yeah, I thought that's balls. what was going to come out of his mouth. And then he's getting choked up. It was amazing. Great. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know it's, and, and with Walton, like I remember when we, we were talking to a bunch of other actors who would have been amazing as well. But when we sat down with Walton, he just stood up in this, you know, this cafe. He stood up and started doing lines out of it and was like, you know, had the gun out. He's like, oh, I got this elf in my sights. And I'm like, hey, motherfucker. And we're like, oh, shit. He's <laughs> right there. That's him. It was like but a John was- Wick moment, that one scene where he's doing all the training. Let's go again. Yeah, man, let's go again. Yeah. It's like, uh, John let's go Wick. again. Yeah, let's go yeah. again. What, what about the deal? What was the cowboy outfit? You know, he hit all of his artillery behind <laughs> that cowboy outfit. <laughs> that cracked me up. We just thought it was cool. What a cool twist. That he would have, you know, look, you know, the, the old Lone Ranger sort of, you know, good, yeah. good cowboy uh, outfit that he he stole from some or bought off of some kid or some adult later in life. Um, I think it's, it, you know, just got to get, we got to chuck out of that, but that's where he would have his arsenal right behind this. It was thing. also like a really cool, it was a really cool nod to the genre we were yes, yes. homaging. You know, yeah. it's a, this is a Western, motherfuckers. You know, yes. that's basically what we're saying right there. And I know that, like, Chris designed that scene. Like, it, it kind of catches your eye, that cowboy yeah. outfit in the oh, cave. absolutely. You did an amazing like, job on that. Yeah, you're like, why am I, why is this catching my eye? And then later when he opens it up, you're like, oh, that's why it was catching my eye, yeah. you know? That, that and, montage and, of him is, like, one of the funniest friggin' things I've ever seen <laughs> on film. With him pissing it, in the snow, and it's just the whole thing is absurd. That was fun, man. That was, uh, he does so like, much with his eyes. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone he looks at, you think he's going to kill. Yeah. You know, and he's looking the at the chick. 
he's going through the toll booth into Canada. Yeah. He's kind of looking at this chick. She's asking for his papers, and I'm waiting for to just, you know, just put <laughs> a her Sonny down. Corleone on her or something. <laughs> well, that's, that's the one. That's the one note we gave Walton that really stood out. And it was one word. We said unpredictable. Like we want this guy mm-hmm. to be unpredictable. We I don't want to know who he's going to shoot when he's going to shoot him, and I want to think he's going to kill everybody. And he's. I mean, he took that to heart and he came back a month later and obviously built his character out and he had all those nuances and those idiosyncrasies that he does. And he's very like dialed, but it was like, it was so fucking amazing. Uh, we really got a kick out of what he did with that character. I mean, like, it's one thing. It's one thing to have a conversation with him about it. It's another thing to see him in full skinny man, you know? Right. Well, Michael, your reaction is, is, is right on point with Mel's reaction. So when we watch the movie with Mel, he's like, ah, it's like he's going to kill him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he gets a true kick out of that scene. He, lo- he, he well, really loves Walton in the movie. He thinks yeah. Oh, he, I mean, they're all amazing. Everybody in the, the cast is amazing. It's and, really. And after. After five views, don't think I didn't catch the Nelms uh, convenience <laughs> <Yes>. store. <laughs> that was that was the production whole drinks designer. live bait, you know. I, yeah, like I caught everything. So. Drop that kind of stuff on us all the time. We'd be like walk in and there'd be like plaques on the back on the like all the elf machines that make like the magic toy machine. <laughs> yeah, we they'd just, be like Nelms Bros Manufacturing. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, we're, we we usually don't like to slap our names on things, but I mean. When you show up on the day and it says Nelms Convenience, there's not much you can do about it. Right. Um, and it was a very sweet gesture from them. They were, they were, you know, they did yeah. that to, to get it. So to- that you guys didn't. That was them. Yeah, that, that was yeah. you guys. We, yeah. Yeah, I think we like we 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 decided on that. Like they had no idea what uh, we decided on the color scheme and design of the banner, but it did not say Nelms Bros Convenience there. It said something else. You know, like. Paul's convenience or something. Yeah, like yeah, I think right, so. Yeah, right. it was literally like something like that. Their mock-up, their mock-up they presented to us did not say Nelms Bros. That was on the day they they had some fun and, and put that up. Oh, and it, it was sitting there like <laughs> it was probably some generic shit like Smith Brothers or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. it was so, something like that. You know, I, I mean, um, we just put out a blog today too. I think you you might have seen it posted about sort of brothers in films and thank God for this film. Honestly, and I wanted to mention too before we we let you guys go. I don't know if you write this into your calendars or if this is just part of your grind and hustle, work ethic mentality. But the way you guys interact with your audience on social media is awesome, and yeah. we okay. probably wouldn't be talking to you today if it wasn't for that. So obviously, we're appreciative. But you know, that seems to be something that you're very proactive and intentional about. Yeah, I think, look, it it comes from, like, you make these movies to connect with people and to have an experience, and it's one thing to go to a movie theater and, like, you know, feel all the energy and have a good time with people while you're watching it. It's also another thing to talk to people after they've watched it. Those are fun conversations. Like, I mean, Esh and I usually do, like, throughout the process of us editing the movie, we do like these little screenings of like five to 10 people at a time. And we like to get pretty wide. So we'll do like 20, 30 of them during the process. So that, and we're like, you know, we're, 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 we're tracking everything you could think of. We're like, okay, does this character moment work? Do we need to add a line in here to clarify this? Like, um, you know, and and it gets more specific as it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. But, but like that process is really fun because you sit there and and really kind of geek out and have, and have a, a connection with people after and you just 
you, for an hour, you just discuss why you put things in there and what that meant and what they got out of it and what they, what attributes they put on it because of their own life. And like, those are all incredibly interesting things. And like some of the interpretations people have of some of the stuff we put in there, we put it in there for a reason, but what they interpret it is, is really interesting and amazing because we do leave, we do leave quite a bit ambiguous on purpose because we want you to work. We want your mind churning. We want you building, um, you know, and like, like world building, when I say building, um, world building with us. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to talk to people afterwards. So it's fun when people are writing things, you know, and having an experience with it. Like, it's kind of amazing for me to think about, like, I can't, I don't know how many movies I've watched and then gone on Twitter or Facebook and been like, man, I really like that movie and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And what about that scene? Oh, this fucking line. Da, da, da. I don't know if I've ever done that. Yeah. Uh, maybe once or twice. And maybe, you know what I have done? I've texted my friends that rather yeah. than put it up on, on Twitter. And maybe that's, you know, people are doing that now more than just tweeting or more than just, uh, you know, texting somebody. But that really touches me, man. It really does. And it gets me excited. And I love chatting back. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, and then I'll have somebody ask me because there's plenty of times where I'll watch a movie um, and I'll say, fuck, what was he thinking when he put that in there? And like movies I love, I have so many questions about because I, like, like I, I love diving into like what they, why they put that in there, what that yeah. meant, what that calls back to. And do you have a sequel for this? And what did you think of this? And, and, and like, people will ask me like, when, when, when Chris says this, what does that mean? And I'll be like, Oh, well we put that in there. Cause it's fun, man. It's fun. And they're like, Oh, that's awesome. I thought he was going to do this. And we're like, Oh, that'd be fun too. Like, I like that idea. Well, we and, start. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I have three, over 3000 Blu-rays and 4k awesome. now. Wow. And and I was lucky enough to go to Redbox and get Fat Man, you know, oh, that's awesome. I streamed it. And then, so I've seen all the extras and you guys do a great job with the commentary. So for people watching this, make sure you buy it. It comes out the 26th of January. Unfortunately, we didn't get it pre-Christmas yeah. other than streaming. But I got to see some great work by Chance uh, in the deleted scenes. So funny. He had such great scenes. And I see why you took him out because he's a prick. We get it. (laughs) But he, man, he had some great scenes that you took out, but it just was, it would have been overkill. And in the commentary, Mel's in the commentary with you guys, Michelle is in the commentary. And then there was one else, one other. Johnny Frango. Okay. Right. Exactly. So it's a fantastic listen. You guys talk start to finish. When I talked to Dan, I said, when we talk to these guys, I don't think we're going to have to feed them much. I think they're going to talk. <laughs> they talk. Well, I went to my uh, local grocery store just a few days ago to try, because I wanted to consume the extras too, is out of stock. And I think you yeah. guys oh, probably wow. saw today, congratulations on, like, it's really hitting on Redbox. It's yeah, it's killing it. There's a buzz to it right now. And I'm a numbers person. I like statistics and stuff. And the movies just constantly, like most movies, they come out and, you know, the second week they drop 80%, 50%, whatever it is. This yeah. is just going in a trajectory like this and people are catching on and there's a lot of social media buzz about it. So congrats on that. That's been really I, fun to see. No, I, it's been really fun to interact with people about it because people will come out of it. And I, like I've seen a lot where people talk about, Oh, it's my favorite Christmas movie this year. Or, or maybe it's even one of my favorite movies this year. Like that means so much to us, man. It really does. Like 
we made this thing. We knew it was going to be, we knew it was going to stick out like a sore thumb. You know what I mean? Like totally. we, <laughs> we were making something fucking crazy. And that was what was so fun about it. We hadn't seen anything like that. So we were so excited to go make it. Well, yeah, we, and there's we, so many retreads. And, and this is just right. so unique and different. It's just a lot of fun. And we started this. We started this podcast just like seven months ago or so because of oh. our love for film. And it sounded a little corny, but your, your being on here today is our email from Mel Gibson. I mean, that's really, you know, this kind of full awesome. circle. Thank you. Yeah, and, and thank you again for this film. It really is, I mean, it's, it's hands down my favorite film of the year for sure. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> and we'll, we'll keep shouting from the rooftops and blowing it up on social media until everybody, thank you for that. everybody we know. And I think two film. years from now, you guys are going to forget us. We're never going to get back. <laughs> We're glad uh, we could get you guys. We've been working with the same DP for four pictures. We got good memories. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for your time. Thanks yep. for the movie. It's great talking to you. Great meeting you. Hopefully, we'll we'll meet again in the future. I have I no doubt. Yeah, stay in yeah, touch. Like, thank you guys so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. it means yeah, about we you. appreciate it. you guys. Stay safe and uh, happy holidays and happy new year. Thanks, guys. All Talk right, to you soon. Take care. All right. Have a wonderful one. All right, you too. Bye. Hey, this is actress Carissa Lee Staples, and you're listening to the O Brother Podcast.